Welcome to Point with Daryl Jones, speaker, author, and lead pastor of the Rock Fellowship Church in Miami, Florida, and president of Point Ministries. Our goal at Point Ministries is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Today's message is from the Christ Supreme series, where Dr. Jones teaches verse by verse through the book of Colossians to show that Jesus Christ reigns supreme above any alternative the world offers. Now let's join him for today's message. To turn with me in Colossians chapter three and just hold your place right there. Today, we're gonna look at some verses and we're gonna look at a, a household under God. What does it mean for me to order my household under God? What does it mean for us to order our lives and our families and our business under the Lord, under Christ? Remember, the context of this passage is about having put on the new self. We have put on Christ. We have put on the new humanity in Christ. Christ is our Lord. And now we have been called to live out certain virtues. He's given us certain commands of how our heart our love, our forgiveness, our our thankfulness to the Lord, our doing everything that we do and say in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we pick up on these verses, which quite frankly, many times in our culture today, uh, we we, we skip over. You know, we don't we don't want to deal with. But this is the inspired word of God. And he picks up on the marriage. Holy matrimony. He starts here in these first couple verses and he's letting know from how wives are to relate to the husbands and how husbands ought to relate to their wives. And we see this all through scripture. He starts off and he says some things and it's interesting, very interesting that he starts with wives because typically in culture it started with the foremost was the husband. But he starts with wives because he's kind of flipping some things from an understanding of what Christ from ordering your marriage under Christ, that the value and the ontological equality and the the specialness, I'm going to use that word, the specialness that comes along with being a wife. And he starts off here and he says, wives, submit to your husbands. Now, I know a lot of people, they don't like that verse. Rip it up, tear it out. Matter of fact, they want to quickly deny it. That was for back then. But then they don't like to actually say the same thing. They don't apply the same hermeneutic for the next verse of husband, love your wife. I haven't seen anybody except somebody say, well, you know, I know they tell me to love my wife, but that was for back then. That that ain't for today. I ain't got to love my wife like that. We have to seek what the Lord is saying in this and what he is not saying. Now, submission is not subjugation. Matter of fact, the word used here is not the same word used for the servants with masters, nor is it the same word used for children with parents. It's a word that speaks to a voluntary yielding. It's not a forced thing. It's a voluntary yielding, meaning uh, if you've been driving and you're on a on a service road and it's the 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 someone coming off the freeway, there's a yield sign. Now, you can speed up. If you live in South Florida, typically people kind of speed up and it can cause some havoc. But it's this yield sign and you have to make the decision. Am I going to force my way in front or am I yield for the protection and the harmony of how traffic is supposed to flow? It's voluntary. It's not forced. But it's something that you're saying that I'm going to follow. I'm going to yield when it comes to headship. This is important. We love. 
We walk out Christ likeness. And that leads to, you know, married people being married people. Usually we know there's exceptions, but kids. He goes from the family to now the parenting relationship, the family understanding. You think about when, when, when couples had that first baby. If, you, if anybody got multiple kids, you know how it was. Think back to that first baby. You know, when you get kid number two, you get kid number three, that pacifier fall on the ground, you just dust it off. But that first baby, that pacifier fall out, you boil water, you don't want nobody to touch that baby, you seeking after that baby. Why? Because you are caring for that baby. And that baby's getting all it needs from mom and dad. And the point is to train that child up, to instruct him. Why? So that child can take care of himself or herself to be a viable uh, citizen. A contributing citizen to society, not a menace. You want that child also to thrive. So we do all that we can. We pour into, and he goes into what this relationship is supposed to look like. He starts with the child, and he says, look, children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. Now, my children that's watching, my youth, you are under the authority of your parents in that household. Now, I know what your TV shows try to show you. It's cool to slam doors and talk back. That is not... Cool, according to the Lord. That's wrong. The fifth commandment was to honor your father and your mother. Matter of fact, it comes with a promise, and it's repeated in the New Testament, that long life and it be well with you. Now, you don't do it just for the long life and a good life. You do it because God said so. But I want you to get this. He says, this pleases the Lord. And I want you to think about how you should understand this as a child or a youth and even parents. He said, think about a senior in high school. And then there's a freshman at the high school trying to tell the senior what to do and about life and what they need to know and talking to them like they're a legit, a little youngster. He's like, hold on, man, you're a freshman. What you know? I love to bring this up all the time with one of my kids when they're looking at me like me and mommy don't know what we're talking about. And I say, hey, look at your little young sibling. You know, he's in kindergarten. You think you know more than him? Like, yeah, I know more than him. Let me tell you something, multiply that by 50. That's how much more I know than you. Now, that, that's a little exaggeration, but I'm trying to let them know something, right? It's like we're here to help. We're here to guide. So children, now, remember, this is in the Lord. So this is with the understanding that children is speaking to Christian parents and Christian, ch children in a Christian household because it's pleasing to the Lord. You're not pleasing the Lord. If, they, if they're trying to get you to sin against the Lord, I am praying for you, and I'm praying for your protection. Because I know those are realities. I know that there are abuses. I understand that. Right now we're talking about the Christian household. And what does it mean to order your lives under Christ? Children, even though you might get frustrated, you might feel like it's wrong, trust the Lord. I love to tell my children, look, pray to the Lord for me that I be the father, that we be the parents, that he has called us to be for you, that we point you in the way that you should go. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. But this is right. This, is, this, is, this, is, this pleases the Lord. And then he says, fathers, don't exacerbate your children so that they won't be discouraged. This, this, this is repeated in Ephesians. We got this in uh, 1 Peter. This is something that's very important. It's, and he speaks to the fathers. Now, just before he said parents, we got on a father and mother. The fathers being the head of the household, and we see that in 1 Corinthians 11. You know, the father, you got Jesus, husband, wife. It's order, but he says, you know, husbands don't thank you more because we both come from the Lord. But he has this, this order, right? 
Just because the father hit a household, meaning he's held responsible for what's going on in that household, but it's not a solo project. That's why children are called to obey parents, honor father and mother. Fathers, don't, don't beat your kids up. And I'm talking about psychologically as well, not just physically. We have some bad parenting sometimes when we have children. They are torn down so much that their esteem and their worldview is so skewed. Our jobs as fathers, our jobs as parents is to build them up, to raise them in the fear and instruction of the Lord. To know who they are in Christ and to know that the Lord has plan and purpose for them. Yes, there is raising, there is rearing, there is discipline. And we do it all according to the word of God. And we trust Christ in it. He says, don't exacerbate them. Don't go too far. You know, I, I like to use my background with football. You know, look, in football, you got certain infractions. You got a penalty that's five yards. You got something that's even worse that's 15 yards. You got to be pray for wisdom and to keep your cool. Sometimes our kids, they did something that's really a five-yard infraction, and we throwing out 15-yard flags. We're going way too far. We're going above and beyond, and we, we can discourage them in who they are and for the whole life. He says, this is important. Don't misuse your authority, parents. Don't step over the lines. Pray for wisdom and discernment. And remember, this is a process. This is a process. Your kid and every kid is different. Every last one come from the same parents and they be very different. It's a process. And you know what it is? It's a lifelong process. Parents, as long as you got life, as long as you have breath in your lungs, continue to pour into them. And there's different ways as they get older, there's different ways that we do that as parents. But continue to point them to the Lord. Don't discourage them. Any transitions from these parenting the fathers to the kids and the parents to the kids. And he goes to servants, slaves, and masters. And there's been so much misteaching that I, I, I want to take a little bit of time and I want to break this down so we understand what the word of God says. We've gotten distracted about what people have said about the word of God, but let's deal with what the word of God actually says and then understand God's intention, concept, and plan holistically. All of us are understanding of responsibilities. And we understand when responsibilities are not met, there are consequences. Like if you have a job and you're not doing your job, you can get written up, you can get suspended, you can get terminated. Why? Because your actions are detrimental to the company and there are consequences. And you have different levels of oversight. You have people that become experts or supposed to be, and they understand they oversee other people and oversee other people and they train other people. Why? So that the work of said company, whatever it is, gets done and gets done well. Because of abuse, because of evil, too often we throw out the baby with the bathwater. We, we just throw it all away. There is order. There is hierarchy, even within the Trinity. You got Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There is harmony, ontological equalness, and at the same time, the Son doesn't command the Father the Son submits to the will of the Father. The Holy Spirit submits to the will of the Father and the Son, and yet they are totally equal all the time, eternally. There are functions, and we aren't to be ashamed of functions. The Father did not die on the cross. The Son did. 
We have functions and we have responsibilities, but because of abuse, many times things get misunderstood when it comes to even what God has said. In particular to this relationship that we're looking at in this text, when it talks about servants and masters, slaves and masters, lords and servants. The words used here cover that whole range. And especially today in our culture, but ultimately in our country's history. When you say the word master or slave, servant, ruler, any of those types of words, there's a lot of emotion that comes up. And then a lot of times there's not clarity of thinking because of the horrors and the evil that came with that history. We hope this message is blessing you today. Before we continue, we want you to know about Point Ministry resources. Please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org and subscribe to receive our Refuel devotional and view other discipleship materials. Our goal is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Now let's rejoin Dr. Jones for the rest of today's message. So I'm going to break some things down, too, and I want you all to understand this. So please listen to what I'm saying. And don't listen or hear what I'm not saying. I want you to hear what I am saying, okay? Throughout all of recorded human history, there have been different kinds of form of different kind of different forms of what we use the word for today as slavery, meaning because of debts, because of prisoners of war, because of poverty. Some people would voluntarily become a slave. Uh, sometimes we may use the word servant, but it's the same word that's used. And Depending on those realities, there's different forms all over the world and all of recorded history. Most times when we think of the term slavery, we think about the transatlantic slave trade, which was unique among others that we've seen in history. And we think about American slavery. Now, while this whole sermon is not on that topic, I'm going to say a few things that I want us to grasp from this and to understand what God's word, is, God's word is saying right here. One, the transatlantic slave trade in American slavery was a violation of both old and new covenants. So when people try to say that the Bible supported slavery or, you know, the Christianity is, is about slavery, that's a bunch of hogwash. The transatlantic slave trade and American slavery, both were violations of old and new covenants, period. And that's why they were dissolved, because Christianity flipped slavery on its head when it came to the relationship between slave and master, when it came to the relationship between servant and Lord, and the relationship was no longer seen as superior and inferior in personhood as seen in American slavery, where American slavery was a dehumanization, was race-related, and no, no opportunity for freedom and to thrive. It was perpetual subjugation. Perpetual oppression and great evils towards a certain people group. Christianity flipped that relationship around where now slave and master would see one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. That was revolutionary. See, during the first century, there are estimates that one third in the Roman uh, rule, the known world in the Roman rule that up to one third would consider what we would call today slaves or servants. And they were treated as such. Christianity came along and said, hey, no, you're brothers and sisters, and now all of a sudden they worship side by side. 
and how they treat each other. And he gives these certain understandings and words in here. Now, I said people have misused and they mischaracterized Christianity when it came to the issue of slavery. And you go back, there's the slave Bible. Go to the museum of the Bible. They actually had the slave Bible. It was published for missionaries to go around. And what they did was they took parts of the Bible out. They took out Exodus. They took out anything that was dealing with uh, Jesus, even being a, de a deliverer, a liberator for for answering the call of the oppressed. Why? Because they didn't want slaves understanding that there is a God who saves, that there is a God who delivers, not just ultimately against sin, but also he steps in time and delivers. So they ripped up pages out of the Bible. You know what that is? That's not saying what the Bible teaches. That's actually a misrepresentation or distortion of the word of God. What they did was they hid what God had to truly say on the matter, and they picked out parts that they liked because they wanted to manipulate people. Now, people do that with all kind of other stuff, too. They pick out parts what they like. What he deals with in this passage here, and he's letting us know that how slavery has been flipped. And I, I, I'm going to invite you because of time. I'm going to invite you. Go in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He even speaks to if you come to Christ in whatever state that you're in, remain in that state. But if you can seek your freedom, do so. Read the, read the letter to Philemon. That he sent with Epaphroditus and Onesimus, who was the slave of Philemon, who Philemon was holding the house church. And what he says about the relationship between Philemon and Onesimus and how they ought to relate one another and treat one another. Here, he speaks to the servant, to the slaves, and he says, you do all to the Lord. You walk in obedience to your earthly masters, but you do so to the Lord. All that the work you do, you do to the Lord. You don't do to please your earthly masters. You don't do to please people. You don't just work God. You don't just work well when you're being watched. Everything you do belongs to the Lord, and you do it all to the Lord. And as an excitement, he says, he says you'll receive a reward of inheritance. Slaves didn't have inheritances. That was for masters and their children. He says, God has something ultimately for you. Trust the Lord in it. And then he turns to the masters and he says, masters, uh, for your servants, for your slaves, you treat them justly and fairly, knowing that you have a master in heaven. Verse 25, he speaks to both slave and master. He let them know, like, look, God will judge wrongdoers and he has no favoritism. So he's not looking favorably upon the slave and the master and he's not looking favorably up. Uh, he's not looking favorably on the slave and he's not looking favorably on the master. He's judging impartially. The wrongdoer will be judged. He says for both of them, here in Colossians, you read in Ephesians 5 going into 6, you read in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 3, we talked about these relationships. And what it is is that he says, slave and master, y'all brothers now, y'all brothers and sisters in Christ, and you treat each other. And slaves, even, and slaves, even though you're serving, you don't do it to please your masters. You, everything you do is for the Lord. You do it for Jesus Christ. Masters, and how you treat your slaves, how you treat your servants, you do so with justly. That's that justice. We talk about justice all the time. You don't mistreat. You don't oppress. You don't abuse. He said you treat them fairly and you do so knowing that the Lord is watching. And ultimately you will answer to the Lord. Now, we, we don't have that. Now, there are forms of slavery today, different kinds of forms even today. We don't like to acknowledge that, but I'm not going to get into that. What I am going to get, you may look at what well, pastor, how am I supposed to relate this? If you look at what he says here in Colossians 3, going in the first verse of chapter 4, in Ephesians and in 1 Peter as well, you see something that uh, there's this brotherhood between these relationships of authority and those who are serving authority. 
Our closest connection to that today is our boss and employee relationships. Bosses, if you're an owner or a boss, don't think you all that. You got, a, you, got a, you got an authority in heaven that's watching you and will hold you accountable to everything that you do towards those who are under your authority. And employees, don't think that you work for the, for the man, for that woman, for that company. God has you there for a purpose, and that purpose is bigger than just your career and even gaining money. That purpose is for his purposes, and you do all that you do for the Lord. And wrongdoers on any side, you take advantage, you steal from, you, 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 you mistreat your authorities, God will deal with you. He's watching. And authorities, rulers, whatever job boss you have, whatever you want to call it, manager, supervisor, owner, you abuse, mistreat, you don't treat fairly, you don't treat justly, God is watching and he will deal with you. This is what it means to order our lives under Christ. Our motivations come from we do all that we do for the Lord. And, and, and I want to say this. I shared this. I shared this a lot. I shared this on Bible study recently. It says typically when there are commands given, when there's a command given, typically, um, I, I, I'm going just short of saying all the time, but almost all the time, if the Lord gives us a command, we need Holy Spirit empowerment to do it. I Meaning we're not going to naturally do it in our flesh. Something's going to come up where we're not going to want to do it. No, no. It, wives will be like, no, I don't want to follow him. He's stupid. I don't want to do it. Husbands be sitting there, love your wife like Christ loved the church. It, there are husbands that's probably looking at me right now and it was like, man, my wife ain't quite that lovable right now. I don't know how I'm going to do that. Matter of fact, I ain't with it. You need the Holy Spirit empowerment. You, you may be a, a youth right now, a child, and you're watching this like, Pastor, you don't know my parents, man. I ain't got to listen to that. You may be sitting here as a parent and be like, you don't know this child I got in my house that's giving me hell in this house. You may be sitting here and you have an authority over you that's, a, that's, that's crazy, and you're sitting here like, nah, man, I ain't doing that stuff. I'm not I, I want them to suffer, so I'm not going to even work. Remember, we do all for the Lord. And you may be an authority and be like, man, I got to whip him into shape. I got to show him who's boss. All these commands, we need Holy Spirit empowerment to walk out. And when we do so, we function properly. You know, a son was working with his dad and they were out in the driveway and they were working on a project and they had a saw. They had a circular saw. And they, the son made sure it was plugged up to the extension cord because they were in the driveway and they were out there and it was time to cut and the dad got the clamp down and he was kind of holding it down and was showing the son where to cut, where the line was. And the son got ready and he was ready to go and he, 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 he clicked the little trigger for the saw to spin and nothing, nothing. He's like, hold on, man, what's going on? So dad went to the breaker and saw, okay, the power is, everything's good there. And they went and now the dad is getting upset because he's thinking like, man, I got to, I got to spend extra money on a new saw. Man, nobody have time for that. And the son realized and was like, oh, dad, my bad. I plugged the saw into the extension cord, but the extension cord is not plugged into the outlet. So they went over and plugged the extension cord into the outlet, and therefore the saw functioned just like it was intended. Why? Because it was having the power. What's interesting is the power was available. Nothing was wrong with the saw. The saw was ready and rolling to function. The issue is when it was time to engage, there was no power. 
The saw seemingly was connected because it was connected to the extension cord. Problem was, extension cord wasn't connected to the outlet. Appearances can be deceiving. There are marriages, families, job situations and atmospheres that can appear, they can seem as if they're good to go and, and functioning properly, and yet when there's no power, nothing's happening. At least when it comes to the will of God and his purposes in that institution. We have to stay constantly connected by faith in Jesus Christ if we're going to have the marriages we want, if we're going to have the families we want, if we're going to have the companies we want. It all comes under the banner of Christ. And we're talking about a household under God, ordering our lives so that we may function as God intended, all for his glory. So as we grow in the new humanity we've put on, we've put on Christ, we've thrown off the old person, and now we're living out his words. May these words be embraced by our hearts and our minds so that we can live out all that God has intended us for his glory. Amen. Thank you for listening to Point with Daryl Jones. This was just one part from the Christ Supreme series, where we learn Jesus Christ has no rival and that he reigns supreme. If this ministry has blessed you and you would like to partner with Point Ministries, please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org. Your financial generosity keeps us on the air, and we are grateful for your faithfulness. Also, if you would like to hear more from the Christ Supreme series, please visit daryljones.org. And remember, keep making Jesus the point.